Hello to the most wonderful people on earth, God's holy people, and to Jesus be the praise today. I want to show you an interview today that Steve Strang did with me on his podcast uh, that will really intrigue you because we talked about prophecy. He asked me questions about these last days that I think you will really enjoy watching. So let's go right now to this interview I just did uh, with Steve Strang from Charisma Magazine. He and I have been friends for a long time. In fact, he was in my wedding many, many years ago. So I've known him for a long, long time. And we're working on a book, The Mysteries of the Anointing. So be blessed, and I'm going to be back and pray with you. Watch and enjoy. Well, thank you, Steve, for having me. And welcome to all our wonderful partners and family. And I'm here with my good friend, Steve Strang, I've known him for a long time, 1978, I think is when we met, and it's been a wonderful friendship, and he, of course, began Charisma Magazine, and today it's known around the world. Well, thank you. Um, you just telling me and my listeners about this new book that will come out in April. The Mysteries of the Anointing is what I call it, and it's what I've learned about the anointing within our hearts and the anointing on our life and ministry and the difference between both. And then I also talk about another anointing we did not have a chance to talk about today. That is the uh, the anointing that can change nations. That's the third flow of it, but we didn't have a chance today to talk about it. But that will all be in the book. And it's a very exciting book, and I believe it will change many lives. In my opinion, that may very well be the most important book I've ever written outside Good Morning, Holy Spirit. Wow. That's pretty impressive because that book impacted so many people. And uh, you and I go back, uh, we think, to 1978. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. At Calvary Assembly, back when Charisma was just starting. You've been on the cover a couple of times, I think. We've done over 800 issues and, of course, now do podcasts like this and books and a lot of other things. And uh, you've always been an inspiration to me personally, and I appreciate your friendship. But I think I'll wait until another day to tell some of my Benny Hinn stories. I like that. (laughs) In fact, uh, you're talking about the anointing that changes nations really segues into what I was wanting to talk about today because, you know, there's so much going on in the world. And I guess in a way that's not new. There's always a lot going on. But... It just seems that there's a hostility to the gospel and to traditional values. There's a move towards socialism in our country. Um, it seems like uh, there's more attacks on Christianity, especially in the West, uh, where we think of persecution being in other parts of the world. We're experiencing it now. So what do you believe God is doing, and what is this anointing that changes nations? Well, I want to talk to you about what I believe is happening in the world today, and I'm going to give you a very large picture of it, because the people that are watching us are from many, many nations. Uh, Number one, uh, it's important to see what's happening inside Israel. Number two, what's happening with Iran. And number three, what's happening with the U- with, with this country? So let's let's begin with Israel, because these are major headlines that are going to affect the world and the church. Number one, Israel. Uh, Matthew ten twenty three. Jesus said to his apostles to go preach the gospel, and then he said before 
you are done, I'm back. Well, naturally, we understand today that what he really meant is that what we are seeing today would be a part of that prophecy. Because what, when the Lord said in Matthew ten twenty three to his 12 apostles to begin preaching the gospel, well, it stopped in 70 A.D. Because in 70 A.D., the temple was destroyed. Later, the Jews were dispersed throughout the world. And for 2,000 years, there was silence in Israel. 48 came, came along in our own generation. The Jews were restored to their homeland, but no, nobody wanted to hear the gospel, and nobody was preaching it in Israel. In the last five years, only, beginning five years ago, now one million Israelis have heard the gospel by Israelis. So the Lord didn't really say it's going to all happen while he is on earth. He said, before you're done, I'll be back. So now that prophecy uh, is, how shall I say, the clock is ticking again. So it stopped in 70 A.D. Now it began to tick again five years ago. Not in 48. 48, the Jews were not ready to hear the gospel because of the crusaders, the Nazis, and on. Today, Israelis are preaching the gospel to Israelis through social media. Not limited by what the rabbis want. There's no limit now for the preaching of the gospel. And in 48, 30 Israelis knew the Lord. 3-0. Today, over 30,000. Wow. So it's increasing, and there's a ministry called One for Israel Ministries that you can look for on YouTube, and it's all there. Uh, Sidroth and others are, uh, are actually with them, and I think it's exciting to see Israelis reaching Israelis. So that means Jesus is on the way back. Now, uh, this is a very ma- major uh, announcement because there are about uh, 8 million, maybe 7-something million Jews living in Israel today. 1 million have heard the gospel, so 6 million to go. So it, it, it won't take much time to get the gospel to 6 million when uh, more Israelis watch YouTube than Americans. Interesting. That's, that's a fact. You know, this uh, reminds me of my first trip to Israel. It was 1979, which was around the time I got to know you. I went with Jamie Buckingham, and we went to the Sinai Desert, which was um, controlled or owned by Israel at the time yeah. as a result of the Yom Kippur War. And uh, we met with some of the believers there. And a lot of the believers in Israel were expatriates from other parts of the world, people that felt drawn back to Israel as people like Derek Prince, you know, different people like that moved back to Israel. And they told, I can remember, I was still in my 20s at the time, they talked about how there were only about a 100 native-born Jewish Israelis that had become believers, and they call them sabras. Exactly. That's apparently a, a fruit that's very prickly on the outside and very sweet on the inside, and so they called native-born Israelis sabras. Correct. And so you said 30 in 48, and so, you know, 30 years later, it was 100, more or less, and now it's 30,000. I mean, uh, if you look at it mathematically, that's huge. And, uh, you know, we are living in the end of time, 
Um, of course, the Apostle Paul said that too. So we, none of us know exactly when, when it's going to happen, but it certainly seems that with everything that's going on in the world, especially toward one world government, yes, and the power elites in our society are wanting to control people, even in how they can earn a living. You know, it's like they will cancel you and cancel your ability to get a job if you say or think the wrong thing. Uh, often it's just uh, articulating Bible, traditional Judeo-Christian Bible uh, belief system. What do you think is happening now? Well, that brings me to my second point and then third point about America. Second point is Iran, Russia, and Turkey. So we are we are beginning to see the beginning of Ezekiel 38. There will be a war in the Middle East. It's it's no longer if it's only when. When that war happens, it will change the map again of the Arab world. Now, America, and that kind of comes in with it. America by that time will no longer be a superpower as it is now. In fact, it's already in decline. So that brings me to the third, which is America. So once that war begins, we all know from prophecy, God will intervene and the Jewish people will be rescued, which will bring about changes in Jerusalem. And the Jews then will be able to build the temple. And we're going to see what it says in Revelation. Now, with America, America's decline began years ago. But nobody noticed it. Now, everybody's noticing it. This decline is going to bring about the one world government you, you just mentioned. And the leading nation will be the nation that will be the strongest in artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence now will decide who is next as a superpower. Will it be China? Or Russia. These are the only two nations right now competing for that position of the superpower on earth. My opinion, China. Why? Because China today is developing much faster with artificial intelligence than America or, or Russia or any other, or any other nation. So when that happens, Steve, that is what's gonna be, I believe, the uh, end of the end of the end of times. Then you you know we're calling these days the end of times. Well, let, let let's say it like this: these are the end of days. Then it'll be the end of hours, because it'll be very 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 close. The Lord said something amazing. He said, "When I when I come, will there be faith on the earth?" Why would He say that? Because medical science today is is accelerating at a at a at a, at a pace unseen in history. Where soon people will be, uh, we will not need the operations of today and the medicines of today and so on because they will replace whatever is broken in your body by some robotic whatever. So that day is upon us. It's almost upon us. I was listening yesterday to a most remarkable interview about this one, one thing happening with, with AI. It was frightening to listen to it. They are creating robots today smarter than human beings that if not controlled, will control the world. They will literally control our lives. So, yeah, 
that one world government is coming together, and I think it will really be seen on a big scale when when America is no longer in the place she's in today. And, you know, it's we need to pray for America right now uh, because things are, are moving faster than we, citizens of the U.S., want to see them move. But God is in control. But so please watch the, the three things will be happening all at, at the same time. Number one, evangelism in Israel by Israelis, which I think every Christian needs, needs to be watching carefully. Two, the developments of Iran's nuclear uh, uh, abilities, which I don't think they'll be able to stop. I think Israel will attack, but who knows when and who knows uh, how Bennett will will uh, will proceed. I think Bibi out of office has slowed the clock a little bit prophetically. Because had Bibi been in office and re-elected, notice all the elections, one after another, and nobody wins, you know. So now here's a man like uh, Bennett with not many seats in Parliament. That that government can can actually collapse tomorrow because that co- coalition is not stable. So th- we have to watch that. We we have to watch very carefully what happens now. Bennett just said two days ago he doesn't think his coalition will even last. Well, that's because he's got leftists in his in his government who are demanding things he cannot give them. So. If the present government of Israel collapses and a BB or a one like BB gets back in, it will accelerate the clock. It will move it faster prophetically. Now it's slowing it down. So that's to be watched. But I think what we need to watch more than anything else is evangelism in Israel. Now, dependent on what government will be in place if this one stays or another one replaces it, it will determine when, when the war will happen with Iran. And we're also watching Turkey. Very important what's happening within Turkey now because Turkey's president is accelerating the idea of liberating Jerusalem. So <laughs> that's another mix. So I think Turkey also needs to be watched. But when you see these things, Jesus said, look up, your redemption draws nigh. So the coming of the, of, the, of the Lord is so near and so close, I think now all of us believers need to live the life of holiness as he commanded us to live and a life of righteousness and not be so entangled in the affairs of this life like some sadly today have, have become entangled because it, it fogs our vision. You know, Paul said, I will not be disobedient to the heavenly vision. I think a lot of people's heavenly visions has become so foggy by the world and what the world does and this, that. And many have replaced, sadly, uh, the Lord has been replaced with things about uh, the vaccine or the vaccination. You know, today people are fighting over something so silly as the vaccine. Uh, families are being divided. Churches are being divided. It's no longer about Jesus. It's now political. It's about what I believe and what I want. So we need to pray that God Almighty will intervene in the church, in the church, that we will all wake up to, the Lord is coming, boys and girls. Stop that and look at heaven. Look towards heaven and cry, come Lord Jesus. Enough of this stuff on this earth. We're not citizens of earth. Come on. We are citizens of heaven. That's our citizenship. And so the Bible says, let your affections be set on things above, not on this down here. So when you see Israel, you know, Israelis uh, evangelizing, is, you know, Israelis, it should wake us all up quick 
the Lord is coming. Number two, when, when you see Iran becoming a mighty power in that part of the world with nuclear power and a war, then it should wake us up also. But now we see the decline of the nation that brought the gospel to millions around the world. Where would the world be without America? Come on, please, when it comes to the gospel. So now here's this decline, and a decline in Christian faith. Today, less people go to church. Less people believe the gospel. And a majority of our youth today in the church don't even believe the Bible. What does that tell you? When, when they just did a research, just recently, Pew Research, they found a large majority of the millennials, you call them, the young people, don't believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's one way, not the way. So where is our future going? I worry about my children's tomorrow. I worry about my grandchildren's tomorrow. You know, this is a good time to be old. It's not a good time to be young. <laughs> you, you and I, you know what, a few more years we'll, 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 we'll say our shalom. But it's our children and grandchildren that will have to face all this. So it's time to, forgive me for saying it, wake up, you know, from sleep, like Paul said. It's time to wake up, like being uh, awake from the dead, you know, and, and Christ will, will give us light. So that's what's happening, Steve. Well, I agree that things seem to be accelerating at a very fast pace, but this is not the first horrible time in history. No, of course not. You know, bef- shortly before our lifetime, um, you know, Hitler and World War II could yeah. have really changed life on planet Earth had Hitler won, for example. Uh, in the 60s, which you and I can remember as children, um, it was a pretty bad time. There were assassinations, as you remember, yeah, all sure. kinds of racial tension. Uh, the Vietnam War was very, very unpopular. Um, drugs and free sex and everything, uh, you know, when we were just coming of age, and then revival happened. So in 1967, which was, you know, right when a lot of this was going on, the Holy Spirit was outpouring in the Roman Catholic Church. We call it the Charismatic Movement. Yeah. About the same time the Jesus Movement happened. I believe that something shifted during that period. If, you know, politically and culturally, we would say things became somewhat more conservative under Reagan and so forth. There are some leaders, and this is where I'm going with this question. There are some leaders who believe that we're on the verge of a great revival. And I've done articles. I've done podcasts. I've interviewed people for my book who, Believe this. Do you think that actually a revival is coming, or is that just wishful thinking on the part of leaders who are as upset about what they see as you and I are? In the church only. The revival, the restoration, I have no doubt in my mind, will happen in the church because, Steve, persecution has begun, in my opinion, already in the West. Maybe not on the scale in other countries, I think it could get worse. Let's pray it doesn't. But persecution always brings restoration to the church. So the Bible does talk about a great falling away before the coming of the Lord, and I think we're seeing it already, maybe the, the, the beginning of it for sure. But when people say revival is coming, I think they, they, they seem to mean globally. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe we're 
going to ever see again the kind of revivals we've seen in the past that took over the nation like England or America or other nations. This move of God will happen and must happen within the church. And the church is going to see a revival. I think we're going to see healings on a scale we have not seen before. I think we're going to see a massive move of evangelism. Uh, also, where our loved ones will be saved and people all over the world will be saved who are already, in my opinion, forgive me, in the Lamb's Book, Book of Life. Because I believe in those in the kingdom are the called. I'm not, you know, a Calvinist all the way. I, I, I do come halfway. That I do believe we've been chosen before the foundation of the world, but we still have a responsibility. But still, God has a people. He knows who they are, and they will come to know him. So that amazing move will happen in the church. I heard Catherine Gouman uh, three times say, in, and I was in the meetings, I was sitting with Johnny Arnott, Niagara Falls, Ontario, second row in the in the choir. He and I couldn't sing; we just wanted wanted to be close. So we joined <laughs> we joined the, the the choir so we can sit up front or close to her. Do you have a picture of that? I'd like to see oh, that picture. Oh, I of think you. somebody may have a picture. <laughs> but John and I went to a lot of her meetings together. But she turned around and looked at the choir. Thank God she did because she was looking right at us when she prophesied and said. The day will come, every believer will be healed. And we felt so bad for her because her, her, her heart was pounding so hard, it was coming through her neck. You could see her neck moving with her heart, heart uh, beat. So we, we knew she was not physically well. But she prophesied, and there was a mighty anointing when she said that. And I asked Oral one day, I said, have you ever, ever, ever seen anyone healed? Uh, sorry, you know, all healed. He said, yep. December 1952, Jacksonville, Florida. In three minutes, the whole tent, the power of God hit the whole tent, and they had to collect a pile of crutches and this and that. And I said, Oral, lay hands on me now. I want to see it in my <laughs> lifetime. And he did. Will I see it? I pray I will. But I think we will see that revival. And today what, what, what gives me great joy and hope is watching what God is doing with people like my son-in-law, Michael, Kulianos, Jesus Image, Jessica, and these amazing young evangelists and young preachers coming up. Uh, it's so precious. I have had such joy ministering at Jesus Image, especially to the students. I just love it because they pull it out of me. Those kids are on fire for God. That gives me incredible comfort about the future. But I'll never forget, ever, ever, when I ministered up in at Bethel in Reading. And uh, the stadium was packed by, I think, 2 p.m. for a 5 p.m. service. I don't remember. Bill, dear Bill Johnson had me up. And uh, they, they, they had mentioned I was coming, and the kids came from all over Northern Cali. When I got up on that platform, well, let me tell you what happened before, and then I'll stop. The music was so loud. I couldn't handle it. So I said to my to my girl, I said, I'm going to leave till their music is done because it was pounding. Those speakers were coming. And I never saw, forgive me, but I never saw such singing because I'm accustomed to the hallelujahs and how great thou art of the old days. 
and those kids were dancing and uh, doing things I never saw, saw before, which was really amazing to me and very new. But when, when I got on that platform and I led them into worship, it was something I was, I was weeping. I was weeping. And I said, dear God, this is our future. And then the experience I, I had in Orlando at this end was that 80,000 kids that came together. I was there. I, yeah. It was wonderful. I was, I was weeping. You know, like I've said to the world, I said, I'm not into that kind of music. I think I'm getting into it a little bit now because I'm hearing it more and more with my kids. But I was standing on the platform when Stephanie was singing and Jeremy was singing. I, 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 was, I was weeping. I was standing next to Lorne Cunningham. And we, I, I was just stunned. Because I felt the power of God in such a strong way without the song, hallelujah. <laughs> without the singing, the songs we used to sing back in the 70s. And then to see those kids when I ministered to them, the hunger on their faces, I don't think I'll ever forget it as long as I, as, as I live. One young man, he seemed to just be like, just, uh, I don't know how to say it. Hunger seen on that man, on that young man's face, so intense, I, I can still see his face, just closing my eyes. And many, hundreds of them that stood in front, and thousands in the, in the, in the stadium. The electric power of God was in there, was beyond description. And then, I want to share one more thing that nobody knows. Prior to that meeting, this end, the leaders came, I wanted to talk to me. So Michael called. My son-in-law said, they all want to meet you. And I said, okay. And uh, I'm not going to mention names, but some of the key ones uh, sat there. And uh, they said to me, they said, uh, you came to me, two of them said that, you came to me in a dream, me. And God used you in the dream that this is why it's happening here now. I said, I came to you in a dream tell it saying what? And they told me, which I'm not free to, free to share because it was a precious thing, but very, very private. How the, how, how the Lord came to them through me in a, in a dream that brought about that meeting that day with them and so on. You'll love this. I, I, I said afterwards, I said, Lord, would you please send Ben in to me in a dream and talk to me? But, <laughs> I was, I've, I've, I've heard this in my life now hundreds of times. I've had so many people come to me, pastors, and say, you came in my dream and told me such and such, and it's happened. I said, oh, well, I, I'm sorry, I didn't know about it. But God has been amazing, and one of these days in glory we'll find out a whole lot more. But when I see those young people, man, something happens on the inside of me. And that is what I believe will bring about the revival. It may very well be with the young people that will spark fire throughout the church. May it, so, may it be so in Jesus' name, and I believe it will be. Amen. And as we wrap up this short podcast, I just want to tell my listeners that you ministered very powerfully to my staff just a little earlier today. 
to talk uh, in a general way about your book, uh, The Mysteries of the Anointing. It was just less than an hour, so I'm going to do something I've never done. I'm going to run it as a podcast the next two days, and uh, so I'll tell people to tune in. But as we wrap this up, I want to give you the last word and also ask if you would just pray for my listeners. Well, I want all of you watching to be looking for uh, the mysteries of the anointing and make sure to tell your friends it's coming up it coming out in april and pray for me as now we're putting it all together that's why i'm here today uh, to meet with debbie mari who's helping me write it one of their staff members brilliant woman and also i think the the, the only thing i want to say to you Get closer to Jesus than you've ever been. And be free from worldly matters. Let Jesus become the love of your life. The love of your life. Spend more time with him than you do with anyone else, including your family. Spend time with him alone Shut the world out. And I promise you, your life will be so blessed, you'll never want to go back to the world you used to live in. You want to stay in his presence. And the Bible makes it very clear. If we're in that blessed place, the secret place of the Most High, we will abide and no evil will touch us. And that is the promise of God. So, Lord... I thank you for this wonderful time with Steve and his listeners and our people who are also listening and watching. Bless them all, Lord my God, and I pray in your holy name, in your holy name, that you'll bring them very close to you, closer than ever before. In your sweet name, Jesus. Amen and amen. I pray you really enjoyed this interview between myself and Steve Strang, my good friend from Charisma. I'm in my, you know, new set right here behind me. I didn't even mention it earlier. I'm so excited to have this new set. Now we have two sets. One behind me, one in front of me, and we'll switch every so often so you'll, you will see both. I'm telling you, the coming of the Lord is so, so near. Tomorrow, I'm going to teach on the coming of the Lord, and I'm, I'm going to continue with it because it's just in my soul right now. It's bubbling in my heart to prepare you, to strengthen you, to equip you, that you might be comforted. Because because God's word says comfort one another with these words when he talks about, when Paul talks about the coming of the Lord. So let's be ready for that glorious day. Father, I give you praise for what you've shown us and will show us. I pray you'll bless your people, Lord, and bless them, not only spiritually and emotionally and physically, but also, Lord, financially, that they will be Blessed with great prosperity. They'll never lack, never lack financially in their life. Ever. In Jesus' holy and glorious name. God's people said, Amen. I keep telling you, when you sow seed, you protect your future. And especially in these days, we need to take God at His word. Because He said, I've not seen the righteous forsaken or received begging for bread. We are told over and over and over, if we give, we receive. And God always comes on time. I know sometimes it's a struggle because, well, I've given, but I don't see it. Because there is seed, then time, then harvest. You've heard that before. 
like any farmer, he sows seed, but then he has to wait and prepare for the harvest. The harvest always comes on time. But our God, who is an amazing, loving Lord, sometimes gives us the harvest quickly because we need it quickly. So those of you that need the harvest quicker, well, just ask him and praise him. and say, Lord, I thank you. It's going to come faster, right on time, because I need it. And God will answer your prayer. It's happened to me. I've seen harvests come in 24 hours, believe me. I've seen God do that for me more than one time. So God always does way more for us than we would expect, exceeding abundantly. All we have to do is trust him and praise him and thank him. So do it right now. You can sort it on the platform you're watching me on or go to our, our website, benihin.org, or simply text uh, BHM45777 and tell your friends about tomorrow and Wednesday. I'm going to continue teaching on prophecy. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. All right, much love. I'll see you tomorrow.